There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending to the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hello, listeners, and we are back with another Turf Show Times Radio. This is your boy, Josh Webb. As always, I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Mr. Mycin Adiasor. Mycin, how's it going, man? Oh, man, it's lovely, beautiful weather here in the show-me state today, so no complaints. Got tired of all the rain. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. I can understand that. And, uh, you know, things are getting a bit, I don't know, boring ever since the NFL <laughs> moved the draft because of an accidental scheduling conflict. Yeah, uh, so they say. So they say, right? Like, I <laughs> refuse to believe that that the NFL, like, you're telling me the Rockettes. Like, the Rockettes are the organization, like, that, that defeated the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> the... Uh-huh. The NFL is, uh, how should I put this nicely, full of it on a lot of occasions. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> uh, what that time void gap, just hideous waste of everything does is leave us an occasion uh, to talk about things that we've talked about about a thousand times. So, today again, we are going to talk about things that we have talked about. However, we are going to do it from a new angle. We're going to look at some new mocks. We're going to look at some new projections. We're going to look at uh, guys who've had their pro days. Um, There's more information that is starting to come in. So the conversation is heating up. Who should go where? How should the Rams spend their pick? And all of a sudden, you're starting to see emerging um, theories of how the Rams should do this. Um, and, and predominantly, it's either cornerback first. Now, with the additions along the offensive line, people seem to have backed off that 
Um, though there's still one or two people that are like, no, man, grab an offensive lineman early. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I respect that, but for me at this point, it's cornerback or receiver. Um, you can develop an offensive lineman, man. You'd be surprised how many all-world NFL players there are on the offensive line who played at your mom university, dude. You would be. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> not that the, the same couldn't be said of receivers, but when you look at the ratio of, of guys in, in the NFL uh, along the offensive line, I think you'd be incredibly impressed to see some of the list of colleges that they played for. You'd be like, really? Oh, yeah. That- guys get pulled out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not a big fan of, of offensive line first, which which I know you're not either, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. But we did have a new draft come out. Uh, it was uh, Todd McShay's draft. Uh, uh, and he had, with the uh, first pick of the uh, s- second round, number 37 overall, uh, Todd McShay took... Adoree Jackson. Yeah. Before I speak, I'll let you speak. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I'm not crazy about it um, because I don't believe that corner is as high as it was two months ago. You know, two months ago, this time two months ago, you, you know, right before free agency, you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen here with Tremaine Johnson? He hadn't gotten the tag yet, and you know he might be walking. They have, they don't really have a track record of getting their secondary signed. You know, um, they were really, really thin. They went out and added some depth with depth with uh, Kayvon Webster and Nikhil Roby Coleman. Um, so since then, you know, they they filled in some some spots. That they've added a little bit of depth. They still have um, EJ Gaines. Um, who will be coming back fully healthy for the first time in two years. So I don't think the corner is as big as a need now as it was two months ago. I think it still should be addressed at some point, quite possibly. Uh, if it wasn't addressed, I wouldn't be completely shocked. But considering how deep this draft is, you know, you really want to try to take advantage of some of that talent. But as far as being a bigger need than receiver, I don't think so, um, especially when you consider. Well, I just we, we, we can get there in a second. I, I want to I want to for a second here focus on the actual pick that was made. Okay, so, Bill Jackson. But, yeah, yeah, let's let's let's. What I want to do is I want to play start. <clears throat> McShay is obviously stating that cornerback is the need. Yeah. Rams as their cornerback pick should select Todd McShay or excuse me should select Dory Jackson. I don't think Todd McShay is nominating himself to play quarterback for the Rams. Yeah. Though it would be an improvement over some of the play last year. Well, let's see. Adoree Jackson. (laughs) Adoree Jackson, I mean. He just picture Todd McShay playing corner for a half second, didn't you? (laughs) I did for a bit there. I was like, oh, that's going to be like. like, Wait a minute. (laughs) Picture that backpedal. I was trying to. That's the problem. But, but. All right, so go so go on. Adori is so Adori is overrated, <laughs> in my personal opinion. Um, I don't think he's that great of a cornerback. Um, 
I think that there's a lot to uh, there's a lot left to be desired when you watch him uh, play corner. And you know, people say, "Oh, well, you know, he can he brings so much to the table because he's such a good athlete. He does a lot of things, but he's really not great at anything." I don't think he's, you know, someone that you want to switch sides and make a receiver like he's going to become this really good receiver or anything like that. Um, his his closest comparison that I can think of for him would be a poor man's Devin Hester. Um, Devin mm-hmm. Hester, also in college, was a corner. Got to the NFL, was moved to receiver. Had moderate success for a few seasons there, which I think Adoree Jackson can be. I don't think he'd be somebody's savior at receiver or anything like that. But I think he could have some type of moderate success in the right scheme under the right coaching. But, um, you know, he was, it, it, without his return ability, I don't think he would be rated as highly on so many people's boards if he wasn't a returner. And even as a returner, I don't think he's the best returner in the draft. You know, so that's why I say he's a poor man's Devin Hester. I don't think he's a bad player. I think obviously he has some tools to work with. He's ultra athletic, a very, very good athlete. Um and I, I, I realize all that has to be taken into account. And that's why I say when you take that into account, he's definitely he's got some stuff to work with. I just don't think that he's someone that you go spend your first pick on. I don't think he's a second round pick. I think he's third round or later, you know, middle of the third heading into the fourth round is what I would look at him as. The thing for me with the Dory is this. I agree with you that he's not a very good quarterback. Um, I look at some of the quarterbacks that are on there, and I'd have that rated ahead of him, surely because of the numbers. Dory Jackson gave up um, an impressive number of touchdowns to number one receivers. And for all the hype that Jackson gets for his ability at corner, when you're talking about a first, you know, the number one overall pick or even if it's not our number one pick for a team in their draft, even if it is in the second round, you're essentially treating that guy as, as, as your number one pick. Um, And, and I think if you're, if you're truly saying that cornerback is the need, then one of the weaknesses that Adoree had was he worked best when he was in space, whether it was in the return game, whether it was as a receiver or whether it was when he was able to play off of a receiver and showcase his athleticism. When he had to get up on the line and press, he consistently got beat, got beat by a lot, and would often end up on his ass. Um, there were, were several occasions where he got beat so bad that it looked like he wasn't even in on the play. Um, yeah. And... Now, look, that's going to happen to every cornerback in college, but when you look at him compared to some of the other guys who maybe were ranked a little bit lower on PFS lists, like I'm I'm a bit higher on Sidney Jones for out of Washington. Yeah, yeah like, he's my favorite I, corner, so I understand. <laughs> I, 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 I'm much higher on him than I am on a Dory, and I look at a guy and you look at what Wade Phillips' system needs, well – Wade Phillip is going to ask a lot of his cornerbacks. They're going to be put on an island at times. They're going to be expected to play press. And if you draft a player who can't do that or has shown an inability to do that at the collegiate level to the point where it's mentioned in every single draft report there is on the guy, 
then you're actively drafting a player who doesn't fit the system you've created. Correct. Whereas, when you look at some of the strengths of guys like Kevin King, Sidney Jones, or maybe some of those other UW cornerbacks, like a guy like Buda Baker, if he wanted to get a safety, they might not have the flashy returns that Adoree has, but they're heavy hitters, they're quality in the run game, they tend to do more in the shutdown process, and they discourage opposing OCs from coming to their side of the field. This is not something that Adoree Jackson did. There is no hate for Adoree. You know, I love the guy. I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that are both Rams and Trojan fans and know that I've done both. This isn't a hate on Adoree thing. This is talking about taking that next step, what the Rams need what a Dory Jackson is, and whether those two things are a match. And I, you and I both agree they're not. They're not right. a match in any way, shape, or form. It would be a bad pick. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just the simple truth of the matter. <laughs> there's, there's no way to even sugarcoat it or beat around the bush. Like, it just wouldn't be a very good usage of the uh, 37th overall pick. For you know, if, if you're going to go... Yeah, for, for any for anyone really, but for specifically for the Rams because they don't have a first round pick, and as you said, that's that's going to be looked at as their their guy, their first guy, you know, their first round guy. Because first off, this draft, and I've said it a million times, it's, it's got so many players that can go in the first. Where the Rams are picking, there's going to be first round talent. So if you're picking Odori Jackson, you're viewing him as a first round player essentially. You know, whether you have your first round pick or not, that's the kind of the overflow area in this draft for guys who didn't go in the first but could have. So no matter whether you got the pick or not in the first, you're looking at whatever that guy is coming in at 37 as a, a guy who could have gone in the first. Um, and I don't think I don't think a Dory Jackson is that guy. Um, so it's, it's really a bad pick for them, especially, as I said, you know, they they really kind of built some depth there. And if you're going to go corner, you need to go shut down, lock you up guy. You know, you need to get a Sidney Jones or you need to get a uh, a Quincy Wilson or Marshawn Lattimore. You know, you want if you're going to go corner, then it better be one of those guys. <laughs> you know, you don't want to get a project at corner uh, with at number 37 and overall. That just it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially with the possibility of Tremaine Johnson uh, playing elsewhere, looming large at the end of 2017. So we know the Rams exercised their fifth year option on Aaron Donald because they have a functioning brain. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, now, now the battle to get true to a long-term contract, if that's even so something the Rams want, maybe they were using these two years to evaluate him, uh, as, as just an individual player to decide if they wanted to dedicate long-term cornerback money to Tremaine Johnson. I will leave that for other people to decide. I don't know. I, I, I personally think True deserves a, lo- a mid-to-long-term contract. I don't know yeah. what kind of money it would be. But I think something in the ballpark of two to four years or even two to five years, three to five years, you know, with the with, with the uh, fifth year being like a team player option, uh, a contract like that 
would be solid for a guy like him. He would have earned it. I would. I, I, I would think. I think so he's. Question, I think he's earned a long term contract. Um, I would. I would give him that. He's. He's earned a long term contract. It, there's not so much of the years. I would give him four to five years. It's the money. What? What do you pay him? Um, that's the question I have. Is I don't know what you pay him. I mean, me personally. He's when you not look at top what corner, cornerback money. He, exactly. He's not top cornerback money. But when you look at it with uh, cornerbacks are being paid, he's not necessarily uh, middle of the pack either. No. He's above middle of the pack, but he's not top corner. So he's in between there. You know, so he's what do you look at something tw- like maybe 10 mil a year? Exactly. So if I'm looking at four or five years, let's just say five years, you know, uh, five years, 20, 20 million. 27. 27 years old, I would be okay with giving him a five-year, $54 million contract, $53 million contract, something much, like that. How much of that are you going to guarantee? Because you want to that's and that's, where, and that's where you lock players up at, where you I start talking about the guaranteed dollars. I say, I, say, I say 23. 23 to $25 million. If you I'm going, you know, let's say, if I'm going 53, I'm guaranteed about 25 to $28 yeah. million. If I'm if I go if I go above fifty, I'm thinking around twenty five million guarantee at least half the contract. Yeah. That way, because player and team know that at twenty seven as a cornerback, he's probably not going to live out the life of that. Exactly. So you want that to be very front heavy. You know, after after two three years, you've paid off the guarantees. You yep. know, and at that You're point, at that point, you can really his salary. What exactly he's losing at the end of that contract isn't going to be much, but you can. What you can also do is pay out a ridiculous amount of money in incentives and bonuses as a, as a way to make sure that even if, say, Trumaine Johnson only played three more years, let's say he only plays till he's about 30, 31, right? Yeah. You, you guarantee heavy incentives with that uh, along uh, in the guaranteed money. And, and uh, you know, even if the guy doesn't end up playing, you know, those extra couple of years, he'll still walk away having made a nice payday on a second contract, which is really – there, that's where it's at these days. It's not. It's not your rookie contract. It's your second contract. That's what you're playing right. for. Exactly. So you know. All right. I would be. I, I would be comfortable with giving him. You know, half a little more than half of the contract being guaranteed. But again, it's it's this market. The Rams really screwed themselves because, as you know, the value of every player goes up every year. You know, if they would have just locked them up to begin with, they've basically extended how much he's going to cost if they are going to get him locked up, you know? So it should be interesting to see how the rest of this plays out. It's been a a crazy ride so far. Yeah. And, and if we're being honest, the guarantee on that contract may have to rise a little because he sat there and had to wait while they did basically everything else. Oh yeah, It's going to be damage control now with all the trade talks and then having to wait and, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely they're gonna have to butter them up with some a few yeah. extra dollars to to uh, you know really serve up some damage control after really screwing this whole thing up. Like you know, he needs to he needs to see Creflo Dollar type of money. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up squeezing them to 32, 33 million guaranteed. I was thinking something like thirty one. So I'm glad we're on the same page. I was thinking yeah. like. 
power in his position, I'd at least squeeze for an extra five at the minimum. Yeah, they're going to have to keep him. They're going to have to. A $5 million kiss my ass tax. Yeah, to keep him, they're going to have to definitely do some ass kissing. There's no question about that. But you know what, though? That's the nature of the business. You know, players have to sign kiss-my-ass contracts for the team, too. You know, hey, you want to stay and play here. You look at the way that the Patriots organization. Look, you want to stay and play here? Restructure your deal. Restructure your deal so we can keep the pieces in place that we need to compete for a championship. Now, look. You might look and say, why am I giving up $1.25 million to a guy who played safety at Northern Colorado University? I'm telling you that these four rings and six trips to the Super Bowl says that I know what I'm doing. So if you want to win another title, drop these demands and, you know, it's it's the Patriot way. Like, but really what players are having to do is they have to kiss the ring. You kiss the ring. And and, and it works both ways. And that's what's fascinating about it. Like, Aaron Donald's going to get his, too. That's what makes this Absolutely. so. That's what makes this so, I don't want to say tenuous, because it's not tenuous. But it is going to be tricky for the Rams to navigate this situation. Because they can't let Donald get to the point where he's being franchised twice because then he may become disenfranchised, unenamored with the idea, uh, or or just plain want to trade. At that point, uh, you know, teams will have approached him to some degree or he'll know that there's interest from from certain clubs. Well, I mean, Donald will probably have interest from 31 other clubs. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, so uh, the Rams need to get him locked down and soon. And it would be wise to get there before they get to the point that they've gotten with Trumaine Johnson. You know, I don't think that that will be the case with Aaron Donald. Um, There's a lot of lot of stupid franchises throughout the history of sports. (laughs) But I don't I can't find one that's been dumb enough to let the best player at what they do, and some will make the argument that Aaron Donald's the best player in the league. <laughs> you know, that he's definitely he's definitely always brought up in the top three or four, regardless of position. You know, so when you have that, I can't think of one scenario where a player was in their prime and looked at in that light and the team let them get away. I don't even think the Rams could pull that off. So I think he's going to be locked up, and the Rams are going to have a lot of cap room next year. That's something that people have to remember. They got, they're going to have a lot of money to spend next year. Aaron Donald's going to get paid next year, and he's going to be the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Yeah, I, I, I too think Aaron Donald is going to end up getting paid. My question here is, all right, look, does Aaron Donald want to stay in Los Angeles? Because if the answer to that question is no, <laughs> Aaron Donald played in Pittsburgh. Cold weather might not bother him. He might look and go, you know, I bet Bill Belichick could use a, a body in the middle. You know, there's a guy named Wilfork that used to do what I do, and he's gone, but I stepped in there and anchor that thing. Well, you know. You know. <laughs> It's it's funny you say it. Um, I look at Aaron Donald as just such a 
really laid back, down to earth, loyal guy. And when you really think about it, I think that there's a really good chance that he that he's wants to stay, but there's gonna he's definitely gonna have to see some amazing changes um, <laughs> for him to you know follow through with that feeling. Uh, because like I said, I think he's that kind of guy where he wants to because of the worker he is and how just chill he is. I think he's more of a um, I want to finish what I started type guy. He wants to see the thing get turned around. He doesn't want to leave any stone unturned. You know, he wants to make sure that when I leave that I helped redo this because he's such a, he's such a hard worker. He wants to show that he can get it done. I think that's who Aaron Donald is. Now, with that being said, um, Aaron Donald's also one of those freaks that looks like he's going to be still be good when he's 32 years old, you know, sort of, you know, sort of like a uh, Julius Peppers or something like that. You know, the, right. those few guys who have been able or DeMarcus where, you know, there's been defensive players who've been able to play well into their 30s because they were just freaks. Aaron Donald appears like he's going to be now still very early in his career. You know, he's only three years in and, you know, he's uh, about to be 26. He's not even 26 yet. You know, so it's still very early, you know, to say how, how well he's going to play 10 years from now if he's even still playing. But he looks like he could be that guy. With that being said, Aaron Donald could very well cash out right now on a five or six year contract run it because again you got to think about his age when that contract runs up he's going to be like 31 so when, when uh, that contract runs up he still can go out and go chase that ring and go to a better team if this team uh, Aaron Donald doesn't even have to commit five years the contract can be for five years but he can but probably, he's gonna cash he out probably yeah. he could probably say no you get me for four guaranteed in a player option on the fifth I think Aaron Donald's going to walk away with about $80 million guaranteed. I really believe this. I think Aaron Donald heart. believes he can get three contracts over the life. Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't, I would, I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think it's too heavy on his mind right now about leaving um, because as long as he stays healthy, I, I think he's going to have that opportunity down the road if things doesn't get turned around. But I think, as long as the Rams are willing to pay him, which I think they're going to be willing to do, I think they're going to – if there's one thing the Rams can say that they do, they're not afraid to spend money. They spend it very stupid a lot of times, but they're not afraid to spend money. They will definitely drop some coins on some guys. And in this particular case, I think the, I think that he's going to end up walking away with $80 million guaranteed. You know, So it's, it's, not, it's not crazy to me to think that – Aaron Donald could say, you know what, I really want to see this thing get turned around. He's going to invest a large portion of his prime into it. He's going to cash out. And if it doesn't get turned around, he's still going to have a few years to go find a chance to get a ring. Sort of like uh, Chris Long did. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. And and, and I think that that's something that, uh, you know, Aaron Donald will have to make that. Only Aaron Donald knows what's in the mind of Aaron Donald. I'm, oh, yeah. I just look at the situation from a prospect of, okay, you you have Trumaine Johnson where you you need to, you know, to crap or get off the pot. You either need to let him move on and have, not that he minds these ridiculous one-year paydays, I'm sure, because it's all guaranteed money. Um, but... What I would ask is, what is the plan then long term? If you're not going to sign him, then I think that needs to be acknowledged. 
if you're if you're not going to sign him, you have to bend. You have to break your back to get something in return for him. You cannot continue to let your top players walk away freely. You like if you're not going to keep them around. You need to get something in return. I don't care at this point if you know I, they said they were at you know rumor was they were looking for a first round pick. You know, um, they teams wasn't willing to budge with a first round pick probably because of the money that he's getting right now from the franchise tag. That probably had a lot to do with it. But if you can just get a third and a fifth at this point, I'd take it. If you if you know you're not going to resign him. I would take a third round pick and a fifth round pick, you know, just to get something, you know, don't go empty handed again. You don't want to continue to do that. Um, and I know like you look at the Janoris Jenkins situation, they say, Oh, well, you know, they got themselves a, uh, you know, a third round pick from, from, um, losing him. But why even wait when you know exactly what's in this draft? You know what the third round looks like. The third round is going to be a very crowded round. You know, it's a it's a really it's a real hot spot because that's going to be where the talent really takes a huge shift. Uh, after the third round, there's a shift in talent um, because that's when it starts to dwindle down. The draft is really loaded at a lot of positions, but after the third round, it's going to start to write its course, and you're going to start to see fourth round picks that looks like fourth round picks. So you really, if you're going to take advantage of it, then you really want to try to get some guys. You want to really want to try to get some picks in now. So why even bother waiting? Like to me, it and and not to mention, if you're going to keep your third round pick next year and you get that extra third round pick for losing him, and this is just 100 percent, if you get a third round pick for losing him, you know it's going to be the back end of the third round. So you know it's not even like it's going to be earlier in the round. So I definitely would say that if you're going to lose him, then you got to get something in return. It just doesn't make sense to keep letting guys walk for free. That's the problem right now, right? That's the problem. Is that losing not, guys with nothing to show? Yeah, it's not. It's not what the Rams have lost. Look, teams lose talented secondaries and, and groupings and bodies. Like, look, if you have a unit that dominates, of course it's going to get picked apart. That's what teams do. They're like, well, crap, I need a linebacker that that's good. I need a defensive end that that's good. Oh, that interior lineman, man, he's the missing piece to our Super Bowl run. Like, that's how it works when you have a shutdown unit. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. Shut people down. And then they got picked apart. And that defense is good, but it's not what it was. And it just happens. It's a natural cycle. It's a natural part of the game. But in all of that, what the Rams seem to do that other teams don't, let these players walk for free. When they're gone, the Rams have nothing to show for it. Janoris Jenkins, pro bowler, you know, New York Giants, quote, space balls. We ain't got shit. <laughs> you know, uh, Rodney McLeod. I don't know. I season with the Eagles. That one was always going to be an interesting one to watch. But I get, I'll tell you what. He got paid. And the Rams I mean, got not. The, the, you, look at, you look at the Rams secondary. You know, um, I mean, they 
there are compensatory so, picks and things like that, but that I mean, you don't want one compensatory pick for a guy that is a consistent pro <laughs> So here's the thing. If the Rams were to trade Janoris Jenkins after uh, his final season in in the Horns, not the not the the number two ranking cornerback that he was with the Giants, but if he were to get traded, you know, if he was still on the contract, he was he was to get traded after his final season that he had with the Rams in 2015. I guarantee they could have they could have worked out a way to get a second round pick in return. I really believe that. But here's the issue. The Rams let him walk, and he goes off, and he goes into the right system. He goes with the right players and all that, and he shows what he's what he's always shown flashes of. And in my personal opinion, I felt that he shown he showed more positive flashes than he did negative flashes. Just the people harped on the negative flashes more often than not. And when you look at when he goes and he plays that consistent brand of football, and you say, man, you know, this guy could have got his back a first-round pick. So that's kind of how you think about it, you know, in hindsight. But if you're looking at it before he ever left, I still say that he could have got you a second-round pick. Now, he's gone. You you didn't get anything. You know, you got yourself a, a, th- a third-round pick, but you already had traded your other third-round pick. <laughs> you know, so you still only have one third-round pick. It's not like you have an extra pick in the third round. You only have one. Um, there are no net positives. Exactly. Replacing another. Well, exactly. Unfortunately, you know. Decision. Fortunately, it was moved up to give you back your your thirty seventh overall pick, but it's still only one pick in the third round. So it's almost like you're you're breaking even. You did so you still didn't get anything. <laughs> Yeah, that's why when I when I when I look at this, I say, okay, that's why I would be okay with cornerback right there. If there's not a true number one receiver, a guy that the Rams feel is their guy, they've worked him out, they've seen him within the system. McVeigh's put him through his paces, his playbook, his reps, um, and they feel comfortable with it. Then yeah. You know, the Rams have needed a primary target for a while. So Yeah, absolutely. If that happens, I, I think that would be Well, I, I can't see Rams fans being too upset about the Rams finding a quality number one receiver. You know, I don't see too many people throwing a a, a B fit over that. A win fit. <laughs> right. But um cornerback could be a little bit more difficult depending on how the the, the the draft shakes out, but there can be no mistaking the fact that there are cornerbacks on this list that are first-round talents that are going to fall. And if a guy like Kevin King ends up available to you at number 37, take him. Uh, it'd be it'd be an interesting situation. Um, am I sold that he'd be available at thirty seven? No. Am I sold no. that he's gonna? I'm not saying sold... he will be. <clears throat> oh no, no 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 no! I know I know that. But I'm saying like if he's there, it'd be interesting because it's like I don't expect him to be. So if he was, it'd be that surprise, you know. And considering the surprise, that that would kind of cause that long 
thought process like okay do i pull the trigger here <laughs> you know because it's that it's that moment where you kind of think you know what the draft's going to shake out to be like or something close to what you're thinking and then you get hit with a surprise player who you'd love to have that's available and you did not expect to see expect to see there when he was there so it's what are you doing in that situation you know um i still don't see corner as being a bigger need than receiver but then you have you kind of have to start asking Who's gonna have? Who's gonna I don't be a either. bigger That's impact player? I don't either. That's why I prefaced it by saying, if the Rams have have looked at their board and they say, okay, <clears throat> there isn't a number one receiver here that we think works for us. You know, all yeah. our guy, all the guys we had are gone. Now yeah. we can come down to the sixth guy on our number one receiver list, or but you. But you don't want to waste that pick either. Or our number one cornerback prospect, which was going to be our next pick anyway, five picks later, he's available now. I'm going to go ahead and take him. Yeah, obviously. You know, here's the thing. If you're going to pick a receiver or a corner, whatever it is, you want that guy to be your number one. You're You're not looking for a number two or three or any of that crap regardless of what the position is at this pick. You're looking for the same guy you would look for if you were picking first in the first round. You know, you're looking for your number one receiver. You're looking for a number one corner. That's what you are looking for at that pick. And that's why I, I think we're, we're just kind of saying the same thing. Just um, like I say, if you're going to make, if you're going to make that pick, you're asking yourself, okay, who's going to have the, who's going to have an immediate impact. Who's going to be able to help us out more Who's going to have a better career? You know, you're looking because again, you have it's not just two players on the board. It's it's a player that you didn't expect to be there, and then it's the possibility of another guy, a receiver, or something like that that you've been looking at. But then you're asking, well, is this receiver? What what was he ranked on our top three receivers? Does he crack our top three? Did he slip to us? You know, you, all those questions start to come up when you have those guys that slip and kind of throw things off. Um, if you're going by best player available, then yeah, absolutely. You're going to take the guy that you thought was going to be gone already. You know, if you're going by the need, but the guy might not be best player available because this guy slipped, but he's still really close call, then, you know, it's a close call, then you might be willing to take that other guy over the corner. So it's a it's a tough situation. You know, if I'm playing uh, armchair GM, I'm probably going to go with Kevin King because, you know, if he slips – and I'm thinking Kevin King is probably going to go in the top 25. You know, he's I'm thinking he's probably going to go between that 19 to 25 range. Uh, I think it'd be a good good area for him. Uh, um, but I'm not sold that he that he lasts. <laughs> if he gets out of the first round, he probably is gone within the first two picks. So considering that that's kind of how I view it, if he's there at 37, it'd be hard for me to kind of turn away from there for a receiver that I expected to be there at 37. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. You're going to hear, uh, is that Bonnie Tyler? Turn around. <laughs> uh, all right. So we spent enough time on number 37. Let yeah. us move on. Uh, all right. So round three, pick 69. Here's an interesting one. Taewon Taylor, wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Talk so, to me about this. 
I actually like Taewon Taylor. I like him a lot. Um, but here's the thing. I'm not crazy about the Rams coming away from the draft with someone that doesn't have number one potential because in that particular situation, I feel you're doing more of what you've been doing for years, which is why you still don't have a number one receiver. <laughs> you know, you're not going after those guys that can really take over that top spot for you in your receiver room. Um, I don't think Taewon Taylor is that guy. I like him. I think he's uh, explosive. I don't think he's as explosive as some people think. Um, I think he's above average explosive, but uh, I think people got kind of get caught up in the the hype of his stats too much. Um, that offense was catered to make a receiver be a 1600 yard receiver, 15 touchdown guy. Now him, of course, he, the past two seasons had 3,400 yards receiving and th- 34 touchdowns or something, you know? So it, it, it obviously, was very kind to him that they had, but he's not that receiver based off of just pure receiver talent. He's not a, a very, you know, he's not a top of the class route runner. You know, he doesn't have top of the line re, uh, hands or anything like that. He just, he just saw a lot of value in a wide open spread attack that fed him the ball and allowed him to uh, get into the, get in the open field, find a lot of creases and lanes to really show what he can do after the catch. And I think that's what kind of makes him really good. I think he's an ideal number two. I think that he had, he, if I was to compare to him to anyone, I would be Jeremy Macklin. Um, I think I've always said Jeremy Macklin is the ideal number two, a guy that can get you a thousand yards, but he's, he's not someone that I want to force feed the ball to. He's not someone I, I want to count on to constantly move the change or anything like that. I thought when Jeremy Macklin was at his best, it was when Deshaun Jackson was the guy, you know, and he had Deshaun Jackson from that's when Jeremy Macklin was at his best. Um, I think that's what Taewon Taylor's ceiling is. Uh, will he ever reach that? I don't know. He probably might be more off of, of the lower end because that Jeremy Macklin is obviously the higher end. Uh, number two, you know, borderline number one. Uh, that's his ceiling, but I don't think he'll ever reach that. Um, I think he'll probably be less than that for his career. So, I don't want, I don't like the idea of taking a receiver in this draft uh, that you don't believe can be a number one. Now, is there going to be guys that's going to be there in the third round that could do that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's that there always is, you know. But you, it's it's so hard to find them. You have to really go out and really get lucky. Uh, I just I don't like the idea of taking Taewon Taylor or too many receivers. There's actually only one one receiver that's even after the second round that I would consider taking and. That's Kenny Galladay. That's it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, oddly enough, what I like about the the article you wrote is that the the you provide the top cornerbacks available when the Rams took Jackson at thirty seven, and you also McShay. provided the t- uh, McShay. Uh, yeah. And you also provided the uh, top wide receivers when the Rams took Jackson at 37. Now, look, look, that's, man, that's if, if, Desmond, if, if Desmond King, I'm sorry, this bait, Brandon Bates. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Always. That's bait. Yeah. Yeah, bait. Okay. So apologies, Brandon. You can beat me with your eggplant emoji or whatever. It is, you'll <laughs> drop in the chat. 
but bait bait broke this down and look you got jordan lewis tez tabor desmond king sydney jones i'm just gonna even stop there because you still got a woozy from colorado who also makes this list but look man if you're taking a dory jackson over desmond king at number 37 I'm firing the dude who who made that pick. If, if, yeah. Des, if Desmond <laughs> King is still available and you take Adoree Jackson as a cornerback, or even Sidney Jones, to be honest, though I'd make a bigger case for King. It uh, Washington King, not not Desmond King. But yeah. if yeah. Desmond King, Iowa is still there at 37 that is your pick that's your pick unless unless which apparently they were in this Corey davis and mike williams are available then you possibly look at not just making a pick but also moving up immediately, packaging like your your pick uh, five picks later. <laughs> if you uh, if you have either Corey Williams or Mike Williams or Corey Davis or Mike Williams available at the top, either one of them at the top of the second round, you know if it's round two, pick thirty three, and either one of those guys are available. You are a fool if you do not move up. If you're the Rams and you don't go up and get one of those guys, especially, you know me, Corey Davis, especially if Corey Davis is there, you are a fool. Like, like, you, like, I, like <laughs> I don't know how you convince a team to take your third and, I don't know. I mean, you're uh, only moving up. You're only moving up five slots, you know. Uh, so if you're if you're moving up five no, slots. No, I'm talking you, about if you get Desmond King at if you can get Desmond King at oh, you're saying if you and, and 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 then the other guys are still there at receiver. I'm talking about what? taking that. No. I'm talking about well, that's what it Look, was. First off, in okay, no way in on. hell are you picking Desmond King over Corey Davis no, and Mike Williams. <laughs> you know, let me finish my damn thought here. What I'm saying is <laughs> he's got these five players would still be available. You'd, or for our for the purpose of our conversation, Desmond King, Sidney Jones, Corey Davis, and Mike Williams would all still be available at the same time. So what I'm saying is it wouldn't matter who you picked first if you were going to do the following, try and take maybe your third and then like next year's something to move up and get that pick right behind where you're picking in the second round and then take the next guy. So you end up with 37 and 38 overall, two second round picks. It really wouldn't matter if you took Desmond King and then took Corey Davis or if you took Corey Davis and then Desmond King. The ordering wouldn't matter. My point is if, if both those guys were available to the Rams at that particular juncture, I would be fine with the Rams taking that third round pick and trying like hell to get the 38th pick. Because you could answer two long-term questions in back-to-back picks right there. 
So to do that, first off, it wouldn't matter because you the only pick that's guaranteed is your 37. So whoever you pick, the next pick isn't guaranteed that you pull off the trade, you know, in the eight minute window that you got to negotiate this, you know. So it's no guarantee that you get that. So who you pick first does matter because if you whoever you pick is you know you got them. And then after that, you gotta work some serious magic, as you said. Well, now, these to, to make that should be done. What, I mean, you don't think the Ram, you don't think the Rams are going to wait at like, yeah, the Rams would pull this off by talking with teams and looking at where teams are sitting. Like, who's picking at thirty eight? I don't, I don't have a mock in front of me, but who's picking at thirty? I believe the Chargers are. All right, well, that'll be interesting. But let's just say Anthony Lynn wants to build a good rapport and the Chargers are still chilling there and, and, and you know what? It's it's because it's it's pretty evident by the way the draft is playing out and what teams need that both these players would be done will be there by the time the Rams get to that pick. So in other words, they would start the process of that transaction well ahead of time and know that they'd have it completed by then. So that's why I said it didn't matter. However, okay. if, if we are operating under your assumption that they wait till the very last minute to do any sort of business, then yeah, it matters like hell who they pick. But I'm thinking yeah. like, okay, these are sophisticated businessmen who should be monitoring the draft and what's going on and, and planning maybe to make this move anyhow. If you have two guys there back to back, that you could steal or even a guy not necessarily back to back, but a pick or two later, because you know, the other teams ahead of him aren't going to take that guy. So, so if, if you're talking about the chargers, you know, you know, getting that pick directly after the Rams and the chargers don't have a, you know, another second round pick, you're talking about the chargers picking uh sixth overall and then not seeing another pick until, the fifth pick in the third round. So with a gap that wide, the what it would cost. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you're you're going to give up that third round pick. Obviously, you know that's going to be part of the deal. You're probably going to have to give up one of, if not both, of your fourth round picks, and you're probably going to have to give them a second round pick next year and some other pick. You know, so <laughs> you're probably you'd looking at. Give, I don't think you'd have to give all of that. I think that you could divide this thing up by giving. All right, they get the third round. How many overall picks do the Chargers have? Overall, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have. A, they don't have two seconds. That's for sure. So they won't be picking for a long time after their first pick if they were to make this trade. Rams don't have two seconds. No, I know, but I'm saying like the Chargers, they don't if they if they were to make this trade, they would pick their first round pick within oh, the I first know. six picks. Well, and they won't pick and win until the third round, okay. the fifth pick yeah, of the no, third I... round. So that'd be a very long time. So to get a team to miss all of that, you know, miss ninety something picks before they pick again, um, that wouldn't would be, that would be very costly. It wouldn't be ninety. The, or, the, 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 it'd be it'd be. I mean, sh- that'd be like three whole so, rounds. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, I was thinking sixties. <laughs> I was thinking sixties. It'd be about sixty-two really, picks. They're really not even missing sixty. They're missing like thirty, basically thirty-seven picks because they have the fifth pick in the third round. 
So they the, all they have to do is at that point once that once they've traded the pick to the Rams, which is just all stupid conjecture. But at that point, once they've traded the pick to the Rams, they would they would have to wait one round, which would be the round that they would be in. They'd go that round without a pick, and then they'd uh, because it. You can't count the talent that would already be gone by the time they made their pick. Like, I understand that all those picks wouldn't be would be made prior to the Chargers picking again, but you can't you have to subtract the talent from before because it wouldn't be there for the Chargers anyway. It's not it's not necessarily the talent before. The only, the only it's just the fact that you you're going so long without a pick. But you're asking them to go 35, you're asking them to go 35 spots without a pick, which I agree with well, you. Well, it'd be more than it'd be more than 35. I mean, no, they have the third they have the fifth pick in the third round. So if they sat out the second round by trading their pick, the 38th overall, each team still picks once per round. There's 32 picks. Uh the it'd, Rams, be six, it'd be 62 picks before they picked again. How do you figure if they have the third fifth pick in the third round? Because their their first pick is the seventh overall. The, yes. If they give up the, if they give up their second round pick and they don't have another second round pick, they won't pick until the Rams give the Rams would obviously give them the fifth pick of the third round, and that's 69. Correct, but you cannot count the. That's what I'm saying. You're doing. You're counting players that would not be there by the time the Chargers made their second round pick at 38. Those. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that doesn't count. (laughs) I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about how long they have to wait before they even have that. an opportunity. I, and, and I understand that. What I'm saying here is, is if you give up that second round, they all right. Let's say they keep that second round. They still lose out on all of those first picks or those. Uh, they still have to wait out all of those. So that doesn't matter. That's immaterial. They would still have to wait that no matter what. That number Exactly. Two. So why would they want to wait twice as long? <laughs> you know, for for crumbs. Like that's because that's maybe, especially in this draft. Up, maybe what ends up happening is they end up getting the Rams third several picks next year, which they're then able to parlay into a second-round pick that, for them, sits at a comfortable spot, maybe involving a player trade uh, that, that involves picks. Who the hell knows, man? There's a variety. See, and that, and that's, that's my point. Like, to make to get a team to, to – you're picking 60 – there's 62 players that's going to go before you pick again, Okay. And you're volunteering yourself into that situation. To get a team to do that, you're not going to just give up a third-round pick and of something else of some scraps. It's going to cost a lot for the Rams to move up. Volunteer to sit. This is what I'm trying to say. The first half of that is immaterial. They're sitting it out either way. You cannot count it. No, but you do. (laughs) You do. You're not counting the players. That's what I'm saying. You're not counting. You're telling a team about the picks. They don't have those picks either. Whether it's a pick or a player, the Chargers cannot use it. They can't use it. They don't have anything. After they make their first round pick, 
they have to wait until the second round to pick again, right? Okay. The Chargers would wait after they make their first pick. They're waiting 31 slots. Okay. Right. I get they can't pick any of those players in the 31. Yeah, but you're so asking them to awesome. double, but you're asking them to double that. No, okay? I'm asking they're, though, because they, if you. But they're doubling their weight. They're going to have to wait regardless. We agree on that. But they're going to double their weight with all these players. And these, this is the premium players that we're talking about. This is the range of the premium players. Like when they pick again in the second round, they're still premium players. You're talking about them leaving that on the table and waiting twice as long. For scraps, it's not going to happen. The Rams are going to have to give up a fortune to pull off their trade. I, I, I do. I understand what you are saying, and the Rams may inevitably have to give up more than it's worth. And it's and, and again, this was just a stupid hypothetical that brought about this argument. But my point still remains. I don't. Any negotiator would point out to the Chargers that it doesn't matter that they had to wait those first thirty odd something picks. That was going to happen anyway. That's like saying, you know, like your 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 wife isn't a virgin when you married her, but <laughs> you, you know, like no, that's like saying, okay, look, I got a perfect analogy for you that'll end all this. That's right. like you. That's like you not eating for two days, and you go to the restaurant. And they bring you your food and they say, hey, you know what? Let us take your food back and make you wait four more days. <laughs> and then we're, but instead, instead of instead of, you know, you having to pay for it, it's going to be free and it's going to be cooked to perfection. Or, You're like, what the or, hell are you talking about? <laughs> you're going to be like, why would I wait even longer? I'm starving. <laughs> like, you, if you're going to make if you're going to make me wait longer, you're going to want more to it. Like. That's just I was already planning on doing a fast with one of my friends for two of those days that you're talking about. And so you're still going to be just as hungry. (laughs) You're still going to be just as hungry. (laughs) Hey, maybe it's it's not. Uh, Traditionally speaking, you know, moving up uh, uh, into the second round isn't exactly. Uh, uh, unheard of, but at the same time, it probably will cost. The Rams don't have a lot. They can't afford to mortgage a lot. I'm just saying, if there was a situation that presented itself, we already agree that there is an aggressive GM. And Yeah, oh, no, no, no. We, there is, and I'm glad we're talking about trades because I'm still of the mindset that the Rams are not going to sit still. Whether they move up or down, and I, I really feel like there's a bigger chance they move up than people were giving them, uh, giving them credit for. And I still say, you know, if you have one of those top three receivers, whether it's Mike Williams, John Ross, or Corey Davis, if any of them are available, any of them are available. I don't think John Ross. I don't think John Ross is worth. I think John Ross is going in the top ten. That's, that's fine. me personally. But that's fine. if if, if any of the John top Ross three, is, I was just going to say this. I don't care where he goes, and I'll eat my words, but I don't think John Ross is going to be a, a, a number one NFL receiver. That's fine. I, 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 I completely understand why anyone would feel that way. I'm kind of on the fence about I, it. I, I, would, see, I, I see he has the ability. I would take the other two. The other two but here's the question I have for you. Here's the question I have for you. Is it because of his size, or is it because of his ability? 
It's because he's been injured so often. Well, I mean, injury doesn't necessarily mean you can't be a number one. If you've number got a guy, if you've got a guy whose primary weapon is his speed, and he's been out with several leg and hamstring injuries. War two two or whatever the hell he ran. <laughs> I, I know. I'm aware of that. I know. I know what he ran. But I'm saying, if the injuries pile up, what's the first thing to go, especially if it's your legs? Josh, I got Man. two. I got two words for you, Frank Gore. Yeah. Look, it, all I gotta say is, all I gotta say is, I'm okay with his speed going because he's so fast that when his speed fades, he'll be regular fast. <laughs> you know, like he's but not. That's what re- I'm he's, saying. He's, I don't think he's a number one receiver when he's regular. I think, I, I, I. I think he still ends up a secondary target after everything shakes out. I've seen prolific receivers like him in the Pac-12. I've seen guys that have put on the size and can burn. Now, obviously, we have never seen anybody run a 4-2-2 because that is a world record. So let's set that aside for a second. But we've seen some blistering fast guys just so. Just some massive freaks, dude. When you're talking about four two and four three, it's still holy god fast one way or the next. And and you've got guys up there who are running low, like you know four three one, like basically in the four twos and stuff. And if the speed goes, even if they do become regular, then you got to look back and say, okay, how are they as a number one receiver? Okay, well, if he's not going to get separation through burner speed, I mean, sure, he's going to have speed, but cornerbacks have speed every year. You look at the guys that are getting pumped out. These cornerbacks are just filthy. I mean, look at guys like Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you you know that over the past couple of years, there have been some quarterbacks churned out that are just filthy shutdown machines. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> so I'm not calling these guys filthy shutdown machines. Yes, there's a lot of speed. There's always a lot of speed. But I'd give you an example of a guy with a lot of speed that ran a 4-3-1 or 4-3-3, and that was Ty Hill. Just because a guy has speed doesn't mean that he can shut you down or anything. Because you have to have the ability to turn and run. If you can't cover and turn that speed well, into I wasn't game saying, speed I, I, I was and, and lock onto someone's hip, then it, it's I, pointless. I, I, I know all of this. My point by saying that is that there are cornerbacks that now have speed. That's my point. That that was it. Yeah. There are there are guys that, in addition to their length and their size and their ability to stick to you like glue, they are also fast. And we have seen this coming out of college. And so you you look at the secondary class and you say, okay, which one would you bet on there being more of in the second round? Like, do you think, are there fewer... Are there fewer true number one wide receivers than there are true number one cornerbacks? Are there fewer number one wide receivers than cornerback number one cornerbacks in this draft? Yeah. Do you think true? True, like these guys definitely I would bet 
I would bet house money on these guys becoming like names. Like Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously there's fewer uh potential number one wide receivers over potential number one cornerbacks. That's obvious. You know, the corner the cornerback position is one of the deepest we've seen and in I a think whole that time. With John Ross, you have not only the 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 history of injury, but there is the size issue. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't be a true number one. It just means that if I am drafting as a general manager, I have to validate two things to myself before I make this pick. Okay, this guy has to help improve our offense immediately because we need a guy to develop a rapport with a quarterback who is in desperate need of of just getting something going with somebody. We need we need to start that. We need to start that process. So my first my first thought is this guy has to be able to come in and he has to be able to do it right away. The second thing is is okay, is this guy going to be able to stay on the field for an extended period of time or um uh or am I going to have to worry about him missing a healthy number of games because he's had this injury, that injury, or the other? I look at John Ross and I say, okay, this guy is outstanding. But maybe to me it feels like there are one or two guys who might be a bit safer as a true number one overall. Like I have less concerns over Corey Davis because of the size because of the contested catches. You know, I um, I have fewer concerns, I guess, with Mike Williams, but I still am with you and I in thinking that Corey Davis is really the, the the guy in this draft that if the right person gets their hands on him, this guy can become just a, just just a monster. You know, like nobody ever thought Calvin Johnson coming out of George Georgia Tech for Pete's sake. Like, name me one person who thought Georgia Tech was going to have the, the the you know the best receiver of the modern era of football. Yeah, <laughs> most dominant. Yeah, most dominant, then. Maybe not best, just most dominant. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, I just never was on the Calvin Johnson train. I still, I'm still not. Like, I thought he was a freak. He is definitely a freak. No one could deny that. But I just never saw the best receiver in the league at any point in time. Here's the thing. I think, and like I said, I'm not sold 100% on John Ross being a number one receiver, but I do, I'm kind of on the fence about it, you know, so I think that he could be, but I'm still, like, trying to figure it out. But is that enough for you? And, but the, but the, the thing about it is, I think that people underestimate his route running. He's a better route runner not, than he gets credit for. I'm saying, look at him, and it, when people see fast players, they think, oh, you know, they they start thinking he's just going to run away from guys. He's going to run go routes. He's going to run a lot of post patterns. No, I don't, and, you know, I don't, no that's, I've, I've seen, I have seen John Ross. I've seen John yeah. Ross. I covered the Pac-12. Like, yeah. I know what this kid's capable of doing. My question to you is, if you are the Rams GM and you have, what, five picks? You have The Rams have eight picks. Eight picks. Eight picks. And... You need a home run 
or a a double at the minimum. Uh, you need a home run on at least two and, and at least a double on five of them, let's say. Uh, do you in- feel comfortable if you had Corey Davis still there? Would you take John Ross over Corey I mean, Davis? That's the that's a, that's a terrible question to ask me because you know how I feel about Corey Davis. Right. <laughs> so but obviously I'm, I'm taking Corey Davis. But, but, that, it has, but that's, that's, that's nothing a, against John Ross. I just personally think Corey Davis is the most pro-ready player in the draft. I look at Corey Davis. And that seems to be the general consensus. And that, that this goes back to my original point of if I'm an NFL GM, and I'm making this decision. Which guy is going to make my immediate impact? You just said he's the most pro-ready. So he's a guy that's going to make an immediate impact. We agree upon that. Now, yeah. which guy is going to stay on the field? Which guy is going to be able to continue to make an impact for me on a week-in, week-out basis? Well, if I am picking and my choices are John Ross versus Corey Davis – I may tend to side with Corey Davis on this one because I feel more sure about this because I have to be. I have to be right. And and John Ross could turn out to be the better receiver. He could. But he does have that injury history. He did pull up lame after running that. You know, he he did have to move his stuff because he injured himself. And and there is some concern that with guys like that, once things go... Now, while John Ross is a quality route runner, how well is he going to do if he's undersized? So if he does... These are all things that you know GMs have to think about. At the end of the day, if I've run down that checklist and I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, okay... So I still have left on the board John Ross, Corey Davis, and Mike Williams. I'm probably cutting John Ross first. I'm, if I'm trying to make a decision, can we agree that John Ross would be the first name off that list uh, of saying, okay, which guy should we take? Well, let's do it by process of elimination. No, I you cannot agree cut, with that. You, you would cut no, no. Mike Williams ahead of John Ross? Possibly. Okay, possibly, because... Like after look, this is why the question is moot to me <laughs> because I'm picking Corey Davis over everyone in the draft if I'm the Rams. It's just that simple. He feels one of your top needs, if not your absolute top need. He feels one of your top needs. He's the most pro ready player in the entire draft by far. And he's also a freak athlete. Like he's not gonna test before the draft. And I hate that because the world isn't going to see how good of an athlete he is unless you really watch his tape. I mean, really watch his tape. You don't really know how much it like you don't really get to see the leaping ability and the unbelievable breakaway speed. I mean, this guy pulls away from guys with ease like like they're nothing, you know, like when he catches the ball, if he breaks that tackle and he breaks a lot of tackles because he's a strong kid. He's gone. There's just a trouble. You're not catching him. He, it is the gap that he creates. The separation is unbelievable. And then he's he's an extremely good route runner. I mean, crisp routes. He can line up all over the field. 
they lined him. They had him play X, Y, and Z there. You know, he played all of the receiver positions. He knew all of the routes, whether he were running the short routes, intermediate screens, deep. It didn't matter. He was running all of the routes over the middle. He was playing the slot, absolutely destroying them from the slot. He'd go out wide. Like, his understanding of playing against defenses is so much more advanced than other receivers because of all the different ways he lined up and all the different route concepts that he ran. He really is the most pro-ready, and then he's a freak on top of that. I'm picking him over everyone if I'm the Rams. It's just that simple. So the the question to me is moot because no matter who it is, (laughs) no matter what the other players went through, whether it's injuries or drops, I'm picking Corey Davis. All I was saying is, is if you were starting a process of elimination list on those three receivers and you're not the Rams, you would cut John Ross maybe first. Maybe, but I mean, I could I could make a case for Mike Williams, too. You know, um, there's there's a lot of holes in Mike Williams game holes that I could find to be more concerning with him than I do. With sure. John Ross, for example, I, I look at John Ross and I would say that he has more consistent hands than uh, Mike okay. Davis or excuse me, Mike Williams. And I would look at I would look at John Ross and I was always say that he I would also say he's a better route runner than Mike Williams. Mike Williams was That's used for he was used for mostly jump Half balls. Versus. That was that was kind yeah. of his go to. And, you know, he's he's not the most explosive athlete or anything. So. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of bones I could pick with Mike Mike Williams as well. You know, uh, I compared him to Plaxico Burris for a reason, and it's because Plaxico Burris wasn't a bad receiver in the NFL. But would I ever call him dominant? No. So I definitely I would. Uh, you know, when you look at John Ross and you look at the fact that he is a much better route runner and he is the better athlete, he's so explosive. He can, you know, you can use him in a lot of ways. You can't use Mike Williams in a lot of ways. His usage is very limited. You I, would know, call, I would call Plaxico Burris dominant with a gun. You say you'd call him dominant with what? No. A gun. With a gun. <laughs> okay. Dominant to himself. <laughs> well, I mean, the object is, is to hit the target. He hit the target, man. You know, what do you... Even when he's not trying to hit the target. Even when he's go. not trying to, man. No, I, it, it, look, I, 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 can, I completely uh, respect that. And I was going to bring up some of those points myself about Mike, Mike Davis maybe be, be, being relying a bit more on athleticism, whereas John Ross is a more natural and polished route runner. So you could make the case for that. I, I just I, I guess I'm not as high on John Ross because I think there are so many question marks it would be tough for me it would be tough for me maybe i would end up taking him over mike williams though uh because i have seen so much of him and he'd be like you know what man i don't know what kind of you know strength and conditioning program washington had him on but we're gonna get him in here we're gonna get him healthy we're gonna have him on a diet that'll keep him on the field you know, some guys just, they're just, their bodies, while they may be amazing football players, their bodies just aren't cut out for the sport. Some guys cannot stay healthy. And, you know, you can look, and it, I, I've seen really small guys last for a long time, and I've seen guys in impeccable shape with a lot of muscle and stuff. And Tyrone, look like throw. That just didn't last. And it's just, it's like some guys' bodies just are not cut out for it, you know, and that's just the simple truth of the matter. So, 
I, I, it's hard for me to look at a guy. That's why. I, that's why as I've gotten more over the years, as I've gotten more deeper into uh, scouting players that I don't really take into consideration too much. Um, the the size factor once you get past a certain certain measurements. You know, I look at John Rothen. He's not. He's not, uh, you know, five seven and one hundred and sixty five pounds like some of these little shorter guys that's really quick and fast and stuff. That's not him. You know, he's five eleven and he's one hundred and ninety pounds. You know, he's not a tiny guy. He's bigger than what Steve Smith was. You know, so I don't, I don't look at him and say, oh, you, you know, he can't do it because he's actually the same size as Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> you know, so it's hard for me to look at him and really throw his size in there. Once you get past a certain, you know, size, uh, height, weight, then it's like, OK, I, I, at this point, it gets to be a little crazy. You know, so I'm not going to look at him and say, oh, well, you know, he's not 6'3", which I would love. That's ideal. You want a receiver that's 6'3", 6'4", 220 pounds with a lot of speed. That's, of course, who doesn't want the Who doesn't want Julio Jones, <laughs> you know? But I'm not going to look at a guy and say because you're um, 5'11", you know, uh, you're probably not going to be a number one because of your size. To me, that is so old school way of thinking, and it's played out, you know, because the shorter receivers are having plenty of success in today's NFL. And, uh, you know, so I can't, I can't look at John Ross and discount him because he's five. I, hey, I'm, I, I, I am not going to discount John Ross of doing anything. He is a, an absolute stud. Um, and, and, and I, it's like I said, dude, John Ross could go easily go on to be the <clears throat> best overall receiver in this class. And it wouldn't surprise or shock me like in yeah. the slightest, like, it truthfully would not. I'd be like, <clears throat> oh, all right then. Well, thanks for letting me know, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Just sort of, and water is wet. You know, John Ross is John Ross is a capable and talented young man, and <clears throat> I think uh, really, if you're the Rams, it comes down to how well did the guy you brought in, how well did he fit in with the offense. How well did he connect with Jared Goff? What was the rapport like when, when McVay yeah. puts him his paces, when they bring them in in these non-scripted workouts, when McVay puts him through the paces of his offense, how's John Ross going to test? How's Corey Davis going to test? How's Mike Williams going to test? You know, how will Desmond King, how will some of these guys that could be their test? And, and, and for me, I feel a bit higher on some than others but we'll know more as they test and stuff leaks out no i i agree with you 100 percent. you know so you're, you want to take all this stuff into you know consideration when you're thinking about this and when you're really trying to compare them side by side and stuff like that and like i said who, who doesn't want a julio jones and you know i would say the closest thing to a julio jones you're going to find in this draft is probably going to be Corey Davis, when you look at the size and the athletic ability and stuff like that and the route running, you know, so I 100% agree with you there, you know, so I get what you're saying. I don't, I just don't want to, uh, you know, if the Rams are there at, you know, with their 37th overall pick and, you know, you have a John Ross or Mike Williams or a uh, Corey Davis 
that falls down to, you know, 25, 26, 27 range. And you have the you have the opportunity to trade up because I am still of the mindset that that trade up is not going to be as expensive as people think, you know, moving up 10 to 11 spots um, to go back into the first round to get one of those receivers if they were to be available, which I a part of me kind of feels like one of them might be. Um, if you were to do that, I don't think that it's going to cost you an arm and leg, and I don't think it's going to have to mortgage your entire future. You know, I don't think that you'd even have to lose a first-round pick. I think that you could trade your second this year. You could trade a um, you could trade a fourth, and you could trade a second and a third next year, and you'd have yourself a first-round pick, and they'd pr- you'd probably get in return, you know, a couple of late-round picks from the from them as well. You know, so. You'd have your first round pick, you'd have your go-to receiver, and you'd have your problem fixed and a go-to target for your franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. So I definitely look at it like it would be worth it. Um, it's hard for me to to ignore the to ignore the possibility of that actually happening, which I do think is a legitimate possibility in this year's draft. Yeah, it certainly it certainly is. And uh, you know, looking ahead, um how how all right so moving on from from uh round three pick 69 what's next on our on our uh we got uh we got joe mixon mixon yeah we got joe mixon to talk about looking at you you want to go with that for fifth fifth pick in the second round you went with zay jones yeah okay so explain zay jones you just preached the virtues of Corey Davis, but you selected Zay Jones. Well, I selected Zay Jones because Corey Davis wasn't available. <laughs> and in my first mock, I never do trades in the first one. How, you know, how is Corey to, Davis not available in your first mock? You control where he goes. Well, yeah, it's, it's I'm not control. I'm not doing it off of favoritism. <laughs> you know, I'm doing it off of. What's the possibility? Where what the hell are we doing go? here, man? <laughs> I try to. I don't. If that's the case, then I'm dropping all the best players. We're gonna. We're gonna get us a first round pick in the seventh round, and we're doing that. <laughs> let Let me just make that known right now. You know, we're gonna. We're gonna get Corey Davis with the number two pick with our second rounder, and then we're gonna turn around and we're gonna still pick up John Ross just for fun in the seventh round. <laughs> Amazingly, the so, room somehow ended up with picks one through thirty-two. You know, we're just yeah, exactly. <laughs> a couple of trades here and there, and voila. <laughs> <laughs> so I try, I try not to get too far fetched with it. You know, I I try to keep it pretty real and pretty. Uh, what's the likelihood of this happening? You know, I, I, the purpose of the mock is to try to figure out what the teams are going to do and how does players fit. What's the best players for the best team, the best scheme for them. Um, and I have the Rams taking Zay Jones because I personally think that Zay Jones is one of those players that could very well be gone in the first round. If he's there, I think the Rams, you know, it'd be hard for them to pass up on him. You know, he brings decent size at 6'2", 208 pounds. So he got decent size to him. Uh, he's He showed off some really good speed at the combine. And, you know, the thing about the combine, I try not to take too much of it. It has to go into consideration, the workout that they have. But you don't want to focus on it too much. You really want to trust the film that you watch. Um, and when watching film with him, you really didn't get to see that speed because of the, the, the system that he played in, the routes that they had him run. Um, it wasn't a lot of opportunity for him to really show off 
how well he can run downfield. You know, he didn't get that opportunity often. Um, it was a lot of intermediate, a lot of bubble screens and things like that. So he got, he caught a lot of passes in his career. He put up a lot of yards and he had a very successful career. However, you didn't know that he could run a four, <laughs> four, you know, um, now, the thing that makes me comfortable in the fact that he ran the 4-4 is what he was able to do in the senior bowl practices. Every single report was about his speed, and it was shocking to everyone because no one, myself included, knew that he had this kind of speed. So this was something he was doing before the combine. When he finally got the opportunity to show it, that's when everyone was like, well, wait, this kid can run too? So then his stock, his stock started to skyrocket. He was already a a middle of the second round, late late second going into third player. Now you found out the kid can actually run. So not only is he a good route runner and he's got good hands, and he you know he wins contested balls, but the kid can actually run. He's he's got some explosiveness to his game. That just added a whole other element to what you can do with him. That now now you now you're looking at it and you're saying, well, this kid is already mastered the intermediate routes because of the system he was in, and now you're telling me he can go downfield. He's a complete receiver now. That's how you're looking at it. So he's definitely someone that could go in the first round. So if he's there at the 37th overall pick, he's someone that you it's going to be really hard to turn the other cheek because he could be he could be your new number one. Um, I would take him. I would take him as my fourth best receiver right now over a lot of players. Um, that's not to say that there's no one even close or anything like that, or there's no one else that I would consider. But as when you're looking at, as we talked about the size, the speed, the routes, all of that, after you get past those other guys, he's the next best thing that you were able to check off the most boxes with. Fair enough. Now, moving into the third round, you have Mr. Mixon. <laughs> so, oh, the man, there's there's nothing that can split up. Um, split up fans quicker than a little controversy. <laughs> you have one side who says, you know, give the guy a second chance. I'm part of that side. Then you have another side that says, screw him. He hit a girl and you know, all that. Now, never in a million years. I know we've talked about this a couple of times already. Never in a million years would I okay it or anything like that. Or would I be okay with what he did? You know, I'm not, I'm not okay with it. I've never hit a woman in my entire life. I have three sisters and it's a no-no for any guy that ever thinks they're going to just hit, put their hands on my sister. It's not happening. However, I'm not going to condemn him to hell for for his mistake. You know, it's just that simple. He made the mistake. He hasn't made he hasn't made any sort of mistakes since then. There's nothing on his record after that or before that. You know, so it's like I don't, I, it's hard for me to say this is a pattern of behavior or something One like that. One could argue that under the spotlight of Oklahoma, he had to be on his best behavior. And while other players don't necessarily do that and they still trouble themselves out of school, there are players who get into trouble and then, you know, they don't get into trouble again because they smarten up, end up getting a payday, and then they go and commit double murder. I'm just okay, saying... So I can I can have two arguments to counter that. So one, you know, you could say, well, yeah, he, he has to be on his best behavior. But then you say, well, then he has to be on his best behavior in the NFL. You know, um, 
Sure, especially, sure. Especially, but, especially, especially since you said he hasn't gotten that payday because you know we're the, all assuming the, that the next incident is going to be domestic in nature. What if Joe likes to booze it up, and the reason he hasn't found that out about himself is because you know he's kind of needed to lay low, and he has. But here's got, the thing. Are NFL teams going to look at him drunk? I mean, isn't that the Gronk standard? Because he's going to be like, look, I still show up. Who cares if I party? J.R. Smith does it. Gronkowski does it. How come they can do it and I can? Like, we don't necessarily I'm – not, I'm not disagreeing with you. In fact, I, look, I, I, there's a tweet that I saw about mixing – and it and, and I find that it couldn't have been more true. And it was it was from an anonymous NFL like exec who said, "Look, whether you take Mixon or the fifth in, in the first round or the seventh, you're going to get the same kind of attention. So if you like him, you might as well take him. Now, if you're the Rams and you need a guy that can run out of the out of the shotgun, well, Joe Mixon's your man. He knows how to operate in a spread formation." And if Joe Mixon is there, I'm also in the let's not condemn people to hell over their mistake. I also agree with every single word you said about domestic violence and the and his actions. Um, look, that entire situation is weird. I mean, there are allegations of racism. Um, you know, I, I I don't propose to know what it's like to be a black man and have somebody say something like that to your face. There is no way on earth that I can ever have or come close to an experience that is like that. Um, Now, I have been the victim of domestic violence. Oddly enough, there are male victims. I was one of them. Uh, and my mother uh, was molested by my by my grandfather, and my mother or my or my grandma, who I called mom, uh, was beaten deaf by him in one of her ears. So you know, I have this thing against domestic violence as well. It kind of ruined my family. Um, this seems to be one of those situations where nobody is a winner. I don't think she is going to look back on that situation and say, you know, I said the best possible thing I could have to him. Joe Mixon has had his chances to talk about it and knows that in hindsight, but man, he should have looked at her and said, I'm sorry you feel that way and have that kind of hate in your heart. I'm out. But that, that should have been how you responded to that situation. But how am I going to tell somebody how to respond to that situation? That's an awfully loaded thing for someone of my color to say. Um, so, but we can walk down what hypotheticals and what NFL scouts would prefer you to do. But it still comes back to the question of do you take Joe Mixon? At the end of the day, somebody is going to. Yes. They are going. And if, if the Rams can get their hands on him... There are enough opportunities for Joe Mixon to continue to do noted notable PR work that will get picked up at a national level. 
It's not that uh, other NFL teams don't do PR work. It just happens to be the teams uh, uh, that are in more populated areas, it, it gets noticed. I mean, it can't really go anywhere. Oh, hey, they're over here at this child children's hospital doing this, 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 and this. Uh, from an organizational standpoint, Joe Mixon would be best served to be picked up in an organization other like the Rams, uh, uh, the Giants, the Steelers, the Patriots, um, just a number of organizations. The Cardinals would be another one. They do an outstanding job with troubled players and people who've had a past. <clears throat> um, this, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the pick of Joe Mixon. My point with him is that because he's been under such a tight microscope and in spotlight. We have no idea what his other vices are. I think everyone's, when they talk about potential trouble with Mixon in the league, I think the first thing that everyone comes to is that he's going to hit another woman. That's not always the case. That could truly be a one-time thing, but he has other problems, you know? Like, But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Josh. He could be Ricky uh, Williams, man. The amount of pot that he smokes could put... Yeah, but that's the thing. Sure. Like, I, We could say that about every single player in sure. the draft. He could. He could. He could. What if? What if? What if? Like right. that's every but, only thing we can go by. Only thing we can go by is what we look. The only thing we can go by is what we do know. We know that he made a mistake. We know that we know that that is the only real big thing. People say, "Oh, well, you know, he tore up a parking ticket." Who gives a shit that he tore up a park? I've torn up a parking ticket. How many people haven't torn up a parking ticket? Like, who gives a shit? I'm not including that into a character report. That's not a character. That's not a character issue to me. You've never torn up a parking ticket in front of a cop or a meter maid, then. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not including that into a, a character report. That's silly. That's when you start nitpicking. And you're just looking for a reason to not like a guy. Let's talk about what's a real flaw. Like if he had never, if he had never hit the hit the girl, no one would give a shit that he tore up a parking ticket. So don't throw that out there. Like that's like that's some big deal or something. Like I don't true, care. True. The only if thing, the only thing that's on his record, that. the only thing on his record that really stands out is. And not not just really stands out. It's the only thing. It's not no, really standing out. Like there's something. What I highlight about that incident is this. What stands out to me is this. Joe Mixon was involved with friends in a situation where he didn't need to be at an age where he didn't need to be there, and because he wanted to do all of that stuff, he then found himself. In a world of hurt, that's what sticks but out. That's to the, me. But that's look, the look, thing. Look. It doesn't. It listen. The the, the that well, doesn't wait, stick out to me. Look, look that doesn't. That does not stick out to me as much because we all at nineteen was in a bunch of stupid shit that we shouldn't have been in. We just all didn't get caught doing stupid shit, or we all didn't get caught on camera and stuff like that. Now. With him, it's not the fact that he was. It's not the fact that he was in the situation. We all have been in situations. It's the fact of how he reacted. Okay, that's what the big deal is. How did he react when when it really escalated yeah, to that point? That's what I'm wondering. How is so he going to react when he's off his leash? How is he going to react? But when, that's the that's the thing. Do you honest like dude? Are we are we going to sit here and act like that's that's the that's probably the only time someone's gotten up in his face and stuff like that? Or that's uh, you know. 
it's hard for me to say that because hell, I know when I was I 19, there was a lot of people that got in my face, you know. So it's sure. hard for me to say, and oh, I, well, you I, know, I can set that there. I just want to know this. Look, Oklahoma basically like turned him in like let's he 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 became sort of a pariah and and he his his place was studying doing community service and 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 you know putting in work to make Oklahoma a, a contender that's 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 what Joe Mixon was there to do and and you're right he stayed out of trouble he did that has to be that has to be considered in any evaluation that says well he hit a woman sure he did both things he hit a woman and then didn't get into an ounce of trouble again in his life we can all agree that hitting a woman is an awful thing we can also all agree that learning is important and that if somebody is already going to give him a chance in the league then it best be an organization capable of handling well some of the PR that's inevitably going to come with this. Um, no, and I, I agree. There's going to be PR that comes with it. Here's the thing about it, you know, and and this is this is why I have such an issue with it. Okay, the issue of well, the issue with Joe Mixon is. Is the truth? I'm, if we're being one hundred percent truthful here, the big headache that people have, and it bothers me because I have a bigger issue with it, is not that he hit a woman. It's the fact that if they draft him and bring him on, they're going to have to deal with the public relations. It's not. Is not the fact that he hit the woman. What he did isn't what scares them. It's the media that scares them, and that's the bigger issue here. Okay, because to me, it's a bigger deal that he actually hit her like i said my, i don't have a problem with him being in the wrong place at the wrong time or anything like that because when you're 19 that's what you do and, you know i don't like when everyone wants to act like a saint and like they didn't get in trouble Dude, especially when you're in college like sent to man, a mental hospital when i was like, like we, 19, we i was in we a are these, and took a bad combination of pills fought my friends in the parking lot using my own belt as a weapon and then told the cops that I was just going to go run and play in traffic because I was hammered. And they're like, well, now we actually have to take you somewhere. And I'm like, well, that backfired on me. But I And that's what I mean. Hammered. You know, we all <laughs> we all have done like, man, oh, my goodness. I did so much stupid shit at 19. <laughs> like, I should be in jail still. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's like. How can we sit here and act like like, oh, my gosh, he did something stupid at 19. Yeah, he did. We all have. But how, it, was, it was the it was what he did and how he handled the situation that stood out. Now, because of because he was nineteen, I look at it. I say, "You were so young. How have you grown from that?" And he hasn't gotten in trouble. First off, he didn't get in trouble before then, you know. So, it, it is, and I hate when people use the Lawrence Phillips comparison. Lawrence Phillips had incident after incident after incident after incident. You know, that's not what he. That's not this guy right here. You know, he he made a mistake. He it looks like he's learned from it. And again, every single report, you know, that I've read, all the people I've talked to, just the guys, the guys with from around the league, the sources and everything, 
I've heard nothing but good reviews coming out of Oklahoma. Sure. Every single report I've heard about his character has been good. The, the, the NFL is really digging into it. And I have yet to come across anything where someone questioned his character. It's all been good. Everyone said he made a mistake, but the Joe Mixon that we know around here is a good guy. Every right, single just, report. Just I have yet to hear one. For the PR angle you guys are talking about, that's why I think New England is the perfect landing spot for him. Yeah, because that's what the Patriots need. Well, look. It's not going to bother the, them. The, 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 no, they, I know. I'm saying that's what the Patriots need. A world-class player. <laughs> They're loading up like for the, Tom Brady's last ride, man. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, but the Patriots, they said they took him off the draft board. <laughs> Here's the thing. With yeah. the Patriots, they'll yeah, bring you on. Look, the Patriots thing. will bring you on if you have a history of issues. You know, everyone tried to say, oh, you know, they brought in Adrian Peterson because they were doing a favor for his agent. You know, but when they brought him in, they put him through a full workout. You don't do that stuff unless you're really interested. And then you look at LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt got kicked off his college football team. <laughs> you know, like they will bring guys in no, no matter what. They brought in Randy Moss, for crying out loud. You know, they, they'll bring guys in. But the, but the thing about it is they won't bring you in until you prove your worth in the league. That's when they'll yeah. bring you in. Yeah. So even though they're taking Joe Mixon off their board, if four years from now Joe Mixon is a free agent, and in those four years he's compiled, you know, forty five hundred yards from from scrimmage and about thirty touchdowns, the Rams are going to, or the other Rams, the Patriots going to be like, hey, we, we might want to bring him in, <laughs> you know, like that. That's when they're going to look at you, you know. So I, I'm not crazy about when people say, oh, they took him off their board. I don't give a damn because if he comes in and he produces. They're going to put him back on the free agency board. You know, they're going to be like, oh, this is a guy we might want to bring in here. So I don't really care about the team saying they took him off their board because I hear that all the time. And then they ended up with those very teams that they said that the teams that said they took him off the board. Yeah, My issue is the PR the stuff. Patri- I don't believe the Patriots, when they say anything, like, oh, Tom Brady's questionable. Okay, sure. Tom Brady's questionable. Like, I'm questionable to eat this week. I mean, the big thing for me, the big thing for me is, you know, I've heard a couple of people say, oh, well, look at what happened with Leo Collins. You know, he went from being a possible top 20 pick to falling yeah, all the way Exactly what I was going to say. And that's why I hate, I hate all these different comparisons, because there's no comparison for to match his up against. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't Leo he's not a multi, he's not a multiple time offender. He's not tied to a murder. He's, he's none of that. You know, so but everything that everything that people were using to convince themselves that he's this super bad kid is so extreme and stuff that he's never done and stuff that he doesn't have a, a prior history of doing. So I just look at it and like I said, we can play the if game or maybe he's going to, for all we know, Jared Goff is a junkie. <laughs> you know, we, we don't know. You know, so we can play the if game all we want. At the end, for the record, I don't think he's a junkie at all. But, you know, but we can play this if game all we want. You know, at the end of the day, we can only go by what we do know. We know that he made a terrible mistake when he was 19 years old. We know he hasn't made any mistakes since. We know he didn't have any huge mistakes before. Okay. And we know he's a hell of a football player. We know that every report from everyone, they talk, everything that I've heard, read, and people I've talked to have all said that he's 
they've the, the the people that's going in and the scouts going in and talking to everyone on campus. They're talking to teachers. They're talking to coaches. They're talking to students. <laughs> so it's it's not like they're just talking to the coaches where it's just you know biased opinions or anything. They're talking to a wide range of people. Okay. And they're getting glowing reviews, and the reviews are all very similar in his character. They're they're not really wavering a lot, you know. So unless Oklahoma band together, unless all of Norman band together was like, hey, whenever they come talk to us, this is what we're gonna say. I think that I think that people are, and I don't want to use, you know the wrong word, you know, the first thing I, that came to my mind there was blowing it out of proportion because I don't think that people are blowing it out of proportion. He was dead wrong, and I'm 100% against domestic violence in general. I don't care if it's guy hitting girl or girl hitting guy. It doesn't matter to me. Keep your damn hands to yourself. He was 100% wrong to hit her back. It was just that's that simple. Upon her even swinging, he could, he's, a big, he's a big-time athlete. He could have got the hell out of there. He could have defended himself without harming her. You know what I mean? But he lost his head. But he was 19. Who the hell has not lost their head? <laughs> you know, when you still have teen in your age, you know, like, or, does that mean that you you don't deserve a job now? Like, is that, what, is that what you're telling me? And I don't like when people say, oh, well, you know, I use Ethan Westbrook. Everybody's saying, oh, well, Sean McVay doesn't want him on the team because how the, how the hell do you know what Sean McVay wants? It's too soon to know what Sean McVay wants. He's get, like, you don't know what type of character he wants. I know that he just re-signed Ethan Westbrook after his whole domestic dispute. And they say, oh, well, you know, his wasn't caught on camera and the charges were dropped. So, <laughs> so you're telling me that it's only a big deal if it get caught on camera. So that tells me you don't really give a damn about whether the player hit the woman or not. You just care about if the world can see it because then that's PR. So that's the problem. <laughs> well, and, and, and here's the one thing that I wanted to say earlier. Like, there's a big difference between Joe Mixon and Leal Collins because, see, Mixon had already hit the woman, been sentenced, and finished his sentence. Uh, oh, Leo, I agree. Le- Leo <laughs> Collins was under investigation for murder. For murder. Yeah, like, like, I agree one hundred percent. Like, I, and I, I'm like, I'm like, how can you possibly bring that up? Yeah. <laughs> like, are you serious? Versus case closed. This isn't. This isn't. You know, they're not the same thing. Not like. Yeah, like I don't understand how still... people actually bring that up for an argument. I'm like, no, that's. Not the same thing at all. Oh man, I'm I'm not wasting a draft pick on a guy that may or may not have murdered somebody. Exactly. But I, I, but I will take a chance on a young man who committed a heinous crime as a youth and has learned from it. Look, uh, I just want to say this, dude. I I think people underestimate to some degree. Uh, the amount of stuff some of these people have already done because juvenile records are sealed. This isn't yeah. something that is often brought up. But, and I'm not saying, oh, hey, let's minimize domestic violence. I am saying that some of these people have had serious problems. And it's harder to avoid now because there's media everywhere on top recruits. But 
There are schools that still very much work with local police departments to cover it up to make sure that these football teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and there are still girls that are being told, well, you know, honey, we'll look into it, but I got to tell you, he's got a pretty good defense that it was consensual. You know, I, I mean, there are a lot of girls still being told that. There are a lot of girls being told, we'll file a restraining order against him and, you know, we'll drive by if he ever comes near you. There are a lot of girls still being told that. But there are a lot of these kids who have done serious things ahead of entering college. And while usually uh these types of things are weeded out they're not always and people always don't always uh uh look at titus young man did i don't think anybody saw titus young going crazy out of nowhere no absolutely not he was one absolutely of the, not he was one of the just uh the hard working is just awesome players for boise state it was like awesome, man. That guy worked his ass off for Boise State. I'm glad he landed in the league. And then all of a sudden, he turned into war machine. And you're yeah. like, wait a minute, he was arrested for what? Um, and and, who, and it's just you who know, on earth, look, look, who on earth saw saw Marvin Harrison having all the legal issues he had after he retired? Marvin Harrison was the most quiet guy to play in the NFL, but he was this stud receiver that was absolutely killing it Pro Bowl year after year now in the Hall killing of Fame. Killing it might not be the phrase to use. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you know, but who saw that? You know? Like, you you can go down the line and you can always point out all these different things and you can say, oh, well, you know, I can. there's players in the NFL right now that I personally know that as kids did so much dumb crap but hasn't done a thing since. And then there's players in the NFL that never did anything until they got to the NFL. So, you know, to to do this whole, oh, well, you know, he, yeah, he hit Aaron, a woman. Aaron, so Aaron he's, Hernandez he, stayed out of trouble until he started murdering Aaron, Aaron Hernandez never even had a citation. <laughs> you know, he did nothing ever happened in that look. Like, that's why I say we can't, we can't sit here and say, oh, well, what if or like but okay, so we're gonna play? Even know, I didn't even know they had bloods in Connecticut. You know, like <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna play the hypothetical game in real life with somebody's life. Like I'm not doing it. Yeah, I, I understand that, and I'm not saying that you do. I, I'm just saying if I'm a GM, I'm looking at that. I'm just wondering. And, you uh, obviously have to take it into consideration, and that's why they're doing all this. That's why they're sending so many scouts into Norman, doing all this research, and sending them to this hometown. And you know, you obviously have to do your research, especially with something so big. And if you're gonna take on that PR, you got to do your research. All I'm saying is, I'm not gonna sit here and say, "Oh, this guy is undraftable. Or he's he he he's gonna kill the culture of the team." You don't know what type of teammate he is. How can you say he's gonna kill the culture of the team? You know, you don't even you like you don't know who Sean McVay is to say he's not interested in uh, that player. Like he, sh we haven't had a chance to know what type. Of now, if it was Steve Spagnola, where you had time to see what he what he got from players he wanted and his talk of the four pillars all the time and. The only only players he wanted walking around was virgins. Like, <laughs> then, yeah, but <laughs> that's not the case here. So how can we sit here and act like Sean McVay is 
so against this and like come on now that's that's silly to me i look i i, I would say that the rams could use a guy like this <clears throat> i question what it would do to todd Gurley. and that's the thing he, he doesn't he, he doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't at present seem to have um uh, how shall i put this He's not mentally uh, he, stable he, enough to handle. Todd, Todd Gurley doesn't seem to have the 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 mindset in place that it's water off a duck's back. That's that's yeah. about as gently as I can put it. Um, I would agree. And and if Joe Mixon were brought in, I am a thousand percent convinced that that Todd Gurley would see it as he was trying to be replaced. Even even though teams have had, you know, two-man backfields with, with war horses on, on both sides, like, even though a Joe Mixon would complement things, would open up so much for Todd Gurley because of his ability, like... I am a thousand percent convinced that Gurley would see it as as an affront to to his position on the team. So, um, yeah, I, I I like drafting Joe Mixon if he's there in the third round. My question is, uh, yeah, how how are they going to deal with that PR? I mean, look, here's the thing. You you have yourselves Sean McVay and you have yourselves um, Jared Goff, okay? That is Sean McVay's number one priority. I don't care who you talk to, what they say. His number one priority is Jared Goff. It's not Todd Gurley. It's not any of the players he's about to draft. None of them are, are going to be – he's not about to go draft a franchise quarterback. So none of the players coming in. It's none of the players on the roster – his, none of the coaches, his number one priority is Jared Goff. How can I succeed with this guy as my quarterback? That's his. That's the only thing he's trying to figure out right now. Everything else is secondary, you know? So when you look at when you look at Jerry Goff and you look at the system that Sean McVay is getting ready to, to install here, and for you know, from what he what the system that he the plays he was calling, the system he was running in Washington. You know, we know that it's going to be similar to that. He's already admitted it's going to be similar to that. He's admitted that he's still going to use the tight ends a lot. He's admitted that he still likes to use receivers in certain ways. They're going to get more of that. So we know what that system's going to look like, and we know that Todd Gurley is not the greatest fit. That doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you're that you're necessarily throwing in the towel on Todd Gurley or anything like that. But you have to have two things. One, you have to have a change of pace back in this system specifically in this system, you have to have two running backs. You know, that's just that simple. He, this is not a system. It's not like what Jeff Fisher had where he wanted to, you know, run it with Ty Gurley nonstop, or it's not like, you know, the years of Adrian Peterson or Marshawn Lynch where they were the focal point. That's what, that's not what this is going to be. Okay. This is going to be a two back system where the backs do two different things. It's just that simple. Okay. Now, Todd Gurley is not a good fit for the system. He he's not a he's not a sideline he's not a sideline sideline guy a guy that can get shifty. You know 
he plays his best football where you put him in a power eye with a fullback in front of him and let him run power plays where he can, where he can either hit you in the, the, the B gap or he can break it out to the uh, outside of the tackle. That's where he that's where he's his best at. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do a good job of creating his own space. He doesn't do a good job of finding holes or, you know, running with patience and things like that, which is what this system will call for. And on top of that, it also calls for a, a, a back that can really get out and do a lot of different things in the receiving game. Tiger is not a natural pass catcher. He caught more balls this year than he did in his rookie year, but he's not a natural pass catcher. You can see that, you know, even the few pass attempts that's been come his way, there's been some miss, there's been some miscommunications on routes and there's been some drops. He's just not a natural pass catcher. That's not what he's, that's not the uh, highlight of his game. This is a player that is literally like a more physical version of Le'Veon Bell that we're talking about and, and Joe Mixon. And Le'Veon Bell is not a physical runner. You know, he's a big back, but he's not a physical runner. He's a shifty runner with a lot of quick, quick feet and a lot of patience that is an amazing receiver. That's Joe Mixon, but then he also brings a power element to his game. You know, so he's, he's a different breed because you can use him in so many ways. You, the Rams. I'm not saying that the Rams have to draft Joe Mixon, but the Rams have to have a back that can counteract Todd Gurley. And J- Joe Mixon is that back. The difference is yeah. Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon is the supreme version of that back, a back that you wouldn't even have a chance of getting if not for what happened. So the fact that you have the chance of getting what might be the best back in the entire draft, I can't see. And your your focus is making. Jared Goff Jared better, better and putting the, everything and around him that you can put around him, then you don't have the time to worry about players' feelings. You have to put as much talent around this guy as you can, and you have to get the right pieces for your system. It's just that simple. Well, that'll be where we have to leave it because we have hit our time. So uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Turf Show Times. You can follow our producer on Twitter at Sports Speaks. You can follow Mycin on Twitter at Mighty or Mycin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fight on Twist. And we will be back next week. And I am sure we will have a guest. We were supposed to have one on this week, but then things didn't work out. Uh, but but it, it was nobody's fault. It was just it was weird scheduling stuff that kept popping up on both sides, and it was just a it was it 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 just. Man, it just didn't work. So, uh, hopefully, uh, we've been told we'll get that taken care of, so we will be able to bring that interview to you, because we're still very much interested in doing that. Um, uh, You can check my Twitter for more information on that, if you can find it. Uh, But otherwise, we will leave it as a surprise. So, we will be back next week here on Turf Show Radio on SB Nation's home for the Los Angeles Rams, Church Showtimes. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech, 
why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.